Blog Talk Radio. The show again. I know you've had some pretty good uh, good success in the NASCAR Hi, this is John Hunter Nemechek from Nimco Motorsports, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the February 15th edition of Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorcycle on the internet. This is episode 130 of the series. I'm Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, Michael Mullally and myself will be reviewing last night's rating, including the World Series of Asphalt Racing, the Dirt Car Nationals, Lucas Oil 200 driven by General Hire, and more. We'll also be previewing the Daytona 500 and giving a brief insight into the duels at Daytona to take place as we speak. Stephen Nassie arrived at New Smyrna Speedway with a new race team last week. After many years with the DLP Motorsports team, the Florida native made the concrete team owned by Kurt Jett. That move paid off immediately as Nassie won his race the team during the opening of the 52nd annual World Series of Asphalt Car Racing. Nassie led the field to the green flag after a post-qualifying invert of 10 and relinquished the lead during the 35-lap super late model feature. His victory was not a walk in the park, as NASCAR legend Mike the Gunslinger Skinner raced him hard. Went. Despite being crowned the 2017 Southern Super Series champion, Nasty never visited Victory Lane in his number 51 Super Late model in 2017. His win on Friday night gave him a much-needed boost of confidence for the 2018 season. While Nasty was enjoying his victory, his new teammate Jeff Chalkett saw his race come to a crushing conclusion on lap 26. Chalkett set fast time earlier in the night and started 10th after an invert. While trying to make his way through the field, he made contact with 2016 Super Late Model Champion Ty Majeski and was sent spinning into the outside wall. Chalkett's team surveyed the damage and planned the necessary to race, planned to race them, making necessary repairs to race Saturday. Majeski was penalized by race officials for his role in the incident and finished his to the rear of the field. Outside pole sitter Paul Schaefer Jr. held off stiff competition to finish second, while defending super late model champion Harrison Burton completed the podium. Sam Mayer and David Rogers completed the top five.
Clearly, Donnie Schatz is a flair for the dramatic. After sweeping All-Stars competition with a pair of thrilling victories, Schatz exited the excited Dirt Car National standing room-only crowd once again on Saturday night. Jobs with Jason Johnson en route to his 250th World of Outlaws Craftsman Sprint, Sprint Car Series. Johnson settled for, for his second with who rebounded from a nasty crash last night. Johnson won the Craftsman Club deck, set a toward pace from the top of the green. Paul McMahon and Tim Schaefer continued a fantastic battle from the dash and went side by side for multiple laps, battling for the runoff position. That battle allowed shows in from a sixth position. By the halfway point, Schaefer had established the position and shots had worked into third. Johnson continued to lead, maneuvering lap traffic at a rapid pace. A lap 17 yellow for 2018 Kevin Gobrick, Rookie of the Year contender. Cleared Johnson from the heavy traffic, but allowed shots to restart on his bumper. On the restart, Schatz quickly disposed of Schaefer and set his eyes on the Eunice, Louisiana native. Johnson was able to keep shots at bay in clean air, but in traffic, narrow gap. Weeks ago, Schatz leads Johnson with a big slider, rousing the huge dirt crowd. Johnson turned back underneath the nine-time series champion, but Schatz prevailed to lead the white flag lap and never looked back. Johnson, despite leading 28 laps, was in good spirits. I hesitated too long in traffic, and Donnie never hesitates. He is one of the toughest in the business, Johnson said before praising his crew for their efforts. Tim Schaefer and the Dem Demian Rudstick Racing, who will follow the World of Outlaws through the entire month of March, put together a new car after flipping last night, and Schaefer cited the quick turnaround as a part of racing. Hence, starting Brad Sweet and 18th starting David Gravel, had strong runs to complete the top five. Last night's winner, Sheldon Toddenshild, picked up KSC Hard Charger honors coming from 21st to 7th. The second of the 47th annual Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia Speedway Park will be headlined by Dirt Late Model Competition. Three nights of action for the Laws Craftsman Late Model Series remain for the final half of 12 days short track racing extravaganza. A star to drivers plan to contend for the National Tour's $100,000 championship, including series veterans, young guns, and promising rookies. The first two weeks of the season, from the very first race at Screech North through the Dirt Car Nationals, will set the bar for the remaining 50 series races season. In a new twist to Dirt Car Nationals in 2018, late model competitors, two best finishes from the four nights of World of Outlaws late model racing will count towards the 2018 championship. This alleviates the pressure of a once-make-it-or-break-it stretch and allows drivers to focus on Dirt Car Nationals competition rather than having to worry about points racing towards the series finale in November. With this new update, many drivers will be seeking the Big Gator honor as the first feather in their cap this season. Here's a few favorites who might be seen holding the Big Gator in Victory Lane on February 17th. Brandon it's tough to discuss, discount the reigning World of Outlaws Craftsman Late Model Series champion as a major contender for title. Despite the early stages adjusting to his new Rocket One racing team at the Dirt Car Nationals last year, Shepard was able to pick up victory in Dirt Car Championship February 21st. As Shepard and Rocket One racing continued to mesh, the results spoke for themselves. The team Series competition in 2017, amassing 18 wins in the process. Now, in their second year together, Shepard and Rocket One Racing 
defeat entering Volusia, especially mm-hmm. considering the team's previous success. Four big gators with Josh Richards and their detailed notebook of the half mile. Staying planted in 2017, the Georgia Bulldog commanded the Big Gator after three top five performances of four dirt car nationals races, including one World of Outlaws win on February 24th. As a mainstay on the national tour since 2005, the 2015 series champion knows the importance of starting the season off strong and the preparation it takes to make it happen. Clanton, who has wrangled two big gators in the last three seasons and will be on the hunt to add another to his collection in 2018. Chris Madden, following a successful 2017 campaign with the World of Outlaw Craftsman Late Model Series, Madden joins forces with Dirt Late Model Wright for the upcoming season. Over the course of his first season, Madden proved he is one of the most consistent drivers after finishing second in wins, 24 top five, and 33 top ten performances. Mm-hmm. Piloting the house car for Barry Wright race cars in 2018, he hopes to contend for the championship by the time Textron Off-Road Finals hits in November, starting with a win or two at the Dirt Car Nationals. Rick Eckert, cutting his teeth in racing in Pennsylvania, scrubbed quickly took a lick liking to half-mile tracks, and it just so happens that Volusia Speedway Park is the world's fastest half-mile. Although he didn't secure a Dirt Car Nationals win in 2017, his two wins of the season happened on similar-sized tracks. The addition of the Big Gator to the King of Half-Miles collection will be a cherry on top of his storied outlaw's career. Brandon Overton. After a one-year hiatus from World of Outlaws tradition, Overton rejoins the this season, alongside Randy Weaver's dream team. In 2017, the Evans, Georgia native Big Sexy team swept the South by winning two championship titles in a regional series and 21 feature wins. In two World of Outlaws wins, Smoky Mountain on May 13th and Larry on June 24th. At this point, Overton has only committed to running with the tour through May, so it's imperative that he gets off to a great start if he hopes to remain a front runner for the first half of the season. Mike Marlar taking a stab at the World of Outlaws Craftsman Late Model Series Championship title for the first time in his career. The Winfield Warrior has high expectations for the upcoming season. He didn't enter Dirt Car National competition last year, but did join 17 other outlaw races throughout the season, totaling one win, 11 top fives, and 13 top ten performances. Marlar has expressed his excitement for the upcoming season and the gratification of reaching this point in his career. Coming into the season on a high, Farlar is sure to park it in victory lane early and often. And the wild cards. Will wrangle the big gator with more than 50 of the top late model drivers in the country in the Dirt Car Nationals competition, all of whom are vying for the with a huge field of stellar racers. Even the front runners mentioned above will have to keep the pressure on because it's best guests who will take the big gator home. For a full list of drivers and additional updates from Dirt Car Nationals, including detailed schedules, lineups, and all of the behind all of the be, in all of the behind the scene action, make sure to follow the World of Outlaws Cross and Late Model Series on Twitter and Facebook. Wanna see firsthand how these storylines play out? Get your tickets to Dirt Car Nationals today. USAC's National Corps Midgets were on track at this past weekend, marking the first time the series has raced at the track. The series is designed for children 5 to 13. The event was held February 9th through temporary 120th of the month inside the track. 
Of course, they weren't the only cars rumbling around the facility. The NASCAR Sprint Cup cars took to the high banks for three practice sessions on Saturday. The first consisted of the 17 cars that made up the clash on Sunday, and the other two were open practices to prepare for qualifying for the Great American Race. Also on Saturday, the ARCA Racing Series, presented by Menards, kicked off the new season with the 55th running of the series, Lucas Oil 200, driven by General Pyre at Daytona International Speedway. Coming off a subpar season, Ventry Motorsports is the off-season to regaining their form. After organizational re- the long-time ARCA Series team went to work rebuilding from ground up in preparation for the season opener. Rising to the occasion, the team's off-season commitment was rewarded on full display Saturday evening when Michael Self drove his number 53 sports prepared by Sinclair Oil Toyota Camry to Daytona's Gatorade Victory Lane, giving the 27-year-old driver his second career series victory and his first center of racing. Self's victory handed Venturini Motorsports its 45th overall ARCA win and second at Daytona since 2012. Self's teammates, Tom Hessert, number 55 U.S. Turf Equipment Toyota, Natalie Decker, number 25 N29 Capital Partners Toyota, and Lilani Munter, number 20 VeganStrong.com Toyota, finished fourth, fifth, and eighth respectively, giving Venturini Motorsports four, four finishes inside the top ten. Decker, who made headlines of her own, started from the pole position and notched a new career best with her top five finish. Decker became the third female driver in history to win a pole award for the race at Daytona. Leilani, marking her, her 12th career series start since 2010, had a new personal best, qualifying fifth and finishing eighth in her first ever top ten finish. Delph, a native of Park City, Utah, survived two late-race multi-car crashes mm-hmm. to get in position for the biggest win of his career. With the leaders bunched up the entire way, even Delph had no idea how he managed to drive away from the park packed in the end. The next event for the Arca Race Series by Menards is the Music City 200 at Fairground Speedway, Nashville, on Saturday, April 7th. We are now pleased to welcome our guest, Michael Self, and pleased to welcome back into the... Th- Hey guys, how's it going tonight? Pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, Pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming back. First off, we'd like to congratulate the country. As a proud Sinclair myself, I have to be honest and say you were my favorite driver in the series. How's your win at Daytona change your goals for 2018 and beyond? Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. yeah, nothing nothing really changes. This year is what it is. I've got 10 races scheduled this year, and my goal has been to go in and, and win every one of those races and um, help Venturini Motorsports take the, the 15 car to an owner's championship between Chris and Neckes and myself, and that's uh, that's what we stay focused on. The win at Daytona is great. It's really exciting. It's awesome to put Sinclair in victory lane there and on that stage, but um Every every race, the the goal remains the same. That's to do a good job for them and to to maximize um, the spin that they're doing in auto racing and and make sure they're getting the most out of their value as well as helping the venture any motorsports program regrow and, and win races and get into the victory lane. <clears throat> they tell it was the first event where Earnhardt had a composite body and also with the running the Ilmore engine. What effect did these changes have on the series as a whole? Uh, I've been saying for a long time. Um, the, the, the Ilmore motor is probably the best thing that ARCA has done. 
Uh, I think a couple of years ago, the series got a little bit out of hand when they were letting people run whatever motors they wanted to, essentially. I mean, you had guys out there that were spending eighty or $90,000 just on a motor per weekend, um, and, and that made the, the competition so inconsistent. Uh, it was going to be so hard for any little teams to compete with that. So going to the Ilmore really equalized the playing field, I feel like. And the five-star body has been great. I think it's been um, good success in the K&N series as well as the ARCA series. Kind of going back to the same thing the motor did, you get guys away from steel bodies where they're able to cheat the bodies a little bit more, and the guys that have more money are able to hire better fabricators and do more with the bodies. It, again, it equals the playing field out. So I think the competition is a lot closer now. I think it's a lot more even, um, especially for lower-budget teams. It's made the, the ARCA series a much more reasonable place to race. It was an incredibly busy weekend in uh, the Daytona era last weekend with the World Series of Basketball Racing at New Smyrna, the Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia, and all the things that happened at Daytona National Speedway. We know that a few competitors in NASCAR as well as ARCA were in attendance at the other events, such as Matt Wallace, David Reagan, Casey Kane, just to name a few. Did you have a chance to see any of the other racing action and you were interested in participating in I didn't have a chance to see any of it myself. I uh, stayed at Daytona and just did our own thing there. In the years past, I've been a spotter and a coach out of the Canaan race at New Smyrna um, over the weekend, so I've been there a handful of times, but nothing this year. This year, I just wanted to focus on, on what we were there to do at Daytona. Awesome. It, it seems to have paid off. It was a great race. Was, the end was a little insane, but it was a, a pretty good race all around. It it was a little bit insane. It, um, I think the last five laps took us something like an hour and a half on their own. It was uh, a long time, a lot of time sitting still under a red flag, and a lot of time to think about things way too much. But um, we were able to survive and make it through those two big white flag wrecks, and that's what ultimately bought us um, bought us to victory lane that night. And so it was a good job by everyone on the team and able to bring home a somewhat clean car um, and one that we can have a lot of confidence on and when we take it to Daytona in a couple of months or excuse me, Talladega in a couple of months and um, put put Daytona in our rear view with a good, uh, good positive feeling about it. Well now I'd like to throw you out to my co-host Michael Mullally has a couple of questions for you as well. Okay. So obviously winning is totally great but what were some like other emotions that you were feeling on that last lap when you crossed the checkered and you knew you took first? Uh, just overwhelmed, I think. Um, excitement, just, um, <laughs> a, I guess, just a plethora of different emotions. Um, I think I felt a lot of different ones underneath the when we were in that last red flag, just had a lot of time to contemplate things and think different scenarios through and just think about all sorts of things that had, had gone on uh, leading up to that race. And when you cross the finish line there, it's just uh, kind of a, a surreal feeling, knowing how you won the race and, and how we won the race. Uh, and Daytona is a track that I was the first one to say was not one that I really look forward to. It's uh, a race that I didn't feel very confident in. It's a style of racing that I don't have a lot of experience with. And uh, it's definitely a race that can be extremely stressful. Um and so to come in and do what we did and to come out of there with a win just makes it that much more rewarding after having to deal with all those emotions the weeks prior to the race. So, I mean, obviously your goal is to win, but did you 
honestly see this as the outcome, or what were you, like, what was, if you couldn't take first, were you hoping to get even just, like, a top five? Well, I mean, obviously, but, like, what were you expecting? Like, what were your expectations? Yeah, I I think coming into Daytona with expectations is um, kind of a mistake because the race is just so it's such a fluke. It's so finicky. I mean, anything can happen there. You know, you can go out and test and do single car run and be the fastest car there by a couple tenths of a second. And when it comes down to the race, when everyone's together in the draft, it just doesn't make a difference. So um, I try to temper expectations. I go in with more uh, hope than expectations and more desire to learn. And um, Hopefully if I can learn and gain some experience and that'll lead to a good finish. And then as the race goes on, you know, you have a good car. You hope that you can keep your car up front and um, then a mistake can happen. Like what I did on, on Saturday on our second pit stop, which kind of forced us to go to the back. And there was a time with about 10 laps to go where we were outside the top 10. I think we were running around 15th and I knew I was going to be disappointed with that. And then there was a, a point with one lap to go where it looked like I was going to finish fifth and I was going to be, extremely excited about that and so you go through a massive different range of, of emotions there and a lot of different thoughts and expectations um and definitely desires of how you how you hope the outcome is going to play out so what race i mean obviously now that daytona daytona is behind you what race are you most looking forward to in the season um Probably Charlotte. I'm really excited for the Arca Series to return to Charlotte. It's been a number of years since they've run there. Uh, I've never run at Charlotte before, but I've been to the races out there a number of times, and I think that's going to be a really big race Thursday night um, before the, the All-Star Showdown, and I'm looking forward to having um, a big crowd at that race. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to run that track, and I've always really enjoyed running the mile-and-a-half track, so that'll be a new one for me, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. My final question, and, I mean, before I ask, I'd just like to say that I watched that race with my dad, and I got to tell you, you gained a couple fans, at least from Ephrata, at our house. Um, so my final question <laughs> is, what advice would you give somebody looking to get into motorsports, not necessarily the level you're at right now, but, like, in motorsports just in general, like, what would your advice be to somebody? Uh, just have realistic expectations, do your research, uh, understand the cost of, of motorsports, what it takes to, to get into it and to get going at different levels. Um, this, like I said, just make sure your expectations are realistic and, and be patient with it. It's a very hard, very demanding, grueling sport. Um, it can be extremely frustrating. The, the financial side of it is frustrating as anything. So just, just, do do your research and know what you're getting into. If you want to race locally, that's how I started out running a go-kart locally in Salt Lake city and had a ton of fun doing that. And um, for anyone looking to get into, into racing, there's a lot of different ways you can get into it, a lot of different types of racing. And so I, I encourage people to, to check out what's around them locally and see what's going to fit them and their budget the best. If our guests are interested in finding out Lost it there. You guys still there? Yes, I think he's having technical difficulties. Let me try one more time. If our guests are Mm -hmm. listening. 
listeners are interested in finding out more about yourself and your race team, where's the best place for that book? Uh, the best place to go is any, pretty much any of my social media channels. You can find me at Michael Self on Twitter or Michael Self Racing on Facebook. Um, I keep those two pretty up to date, and uh, pretty much everything that goes on my website gets transferred over to the, uh, the Facebook page. So my website's always updated at Michael Self Racing. There's some good photo galleries on there. And um, another good place to go is to follow Sinclair Oil on their social media platforms. They do a lot of giveaways. Every single race, they're giving away hats and merchandise and uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun to follow along with them and kind of see what they do so i encourage everyone to go check them out especially if you like winning things or entering contests it's a, it's a good one to see so uh, we appreciate everyone's support of sinclair oil and, and how much they've grown and their involvement in racing the last couple of years and hope that we can uh, continue to grow that fan base well thank you very much for coming on the show tonight and we look forward to following your career and possibly having you on the program again sometime later in the season Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a nice evening. You too. Goodbye. In racing, there is no greater feeling. There is no greater history. There is no greater tradition than the Daytona 500. And this February 18th, there is no greater place to be as the Great American Race celebrates its 60th running. Last year sold out, so there is no greater time than now to guarantee your seats. Join us for the history-making 60th running of the Daytona 500. Sunday, February 18th. Guarantee your seats at 1-800-PIT-SHOP or Daytona500.com. On Sunday, the Advanced Auto Parts Clash was what the event normally is, a crash fest with new rules taking effect. Pit crews had to adapt with only five guys over the wall, and drivers had to try and find the fastest on the very facility. In the end, Brad Keselowski pulled ahead of the pack and won in dominating fashion to see if he can keep the momentum going into the Daytona 500. Of course, the big event on Sunday was qualifying for the 500, if you can call it that, Basically, it is just pole qualifying with the duel setting the rest of the field today. That said, Alex Bowman secured pole position for the 2018 Daytona 500 with a qualifying lap of 46.002 seconds on Sunday. He pushed Danny Hamlin, who ran a 46.132 second lap, into second place on the grid. The both will be delighted to have secured their starting spots for Sunday's 2018 Monster Energy Cup Series season opener. The rest of the drivers must now look to the Can-Am duels, as we said, taking place right now, as they target the best possible starting spot for race. Those competing in the first duel will fill out the inside row based on their positions in today's 250-mile race, while the second duel will decide for the outside rows. Bowman, 24, and 37-year-old Hamlin will not be racing for position in the duels as they have already walked down the front row. However, the pair will likely use the opportunity to get some time on track ahead of the main race and get a feel for the comp- competitiveness of the race. The river will be Kirk Bush won the 2017 Daytona 500 from a starting position of 8th, and Hamlin was 11th on the grid when he triumphed in 2016. However, it is crucial to make sure that at least be in the mix for the for to have the best chance of success. Mm-hmm. So who's your pick for the winner on Sunday? Uh, 
gosh, I don't know. I I'm torn. I mean, obviously we're gonna go with the number one and number two qualifiers, right? But likely it never actually goes that way. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Do we think Kurt Bush can repeat? That's a pretty good, pretty good bet on my part, I think. But I also think that the it might be the year for Brad Keselowski to, to buck end up doing doing really well since he won the uh, the advanced outpost over the weekend. I think he has a pretty good shot at Daytona 500 as well, even though when the people win the clash, it's not necessarily a good sign for the their 500 finishing spot. So, but I think that Keselowski might have a chance this year. Yeah, I don't know. It's anybody's game, really, but I'm mm-hmm. going to say Kurt Busch repeats. There we go. We'll see which one of us is right. I think it, either one's a pretty good shot. It'll be somebody totally different. It could even be the uh, the kind of funny if it was the, the BK racing car. A really, really, really small budget and a driver who's never even competed in the race before. So I think That would actually be really cool. I think we actually talked to Greg Alding on this program once before. I'd have to look that up if I can find it, and I'll repost that on the Speedway Digest Facebook page later today or tomorrow. But I'm pretty sure we actually talked to Greg Alding before, so that would be kind of interesting if he ended up being the uh, the winner of the race, although that's one of those really shots. Be sure to check out past Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at SpeedwayDigestRadioNetwork.com. You can also check out the show on Facebook, Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read all the articles covering all the motorsports in the, at SpeedwayDigest.com. I haven't really put out many articles in the, racing, in the racing section this week, but I'm going to go through my inbox tomorrow, and we'll see about uh, what we can put out in the racing news section. And no ton of coverage about all the activity in Daytona. There'll be a... Full review of the duels on there later this evening, so be sure to check that out as well. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about Slice Paradise at Palm Beach Happening, which can be found by visiting palmbeach.happeningmag.com. There are some changes in the way in the works there at Palm Beach Happening, but as of right now, everything is going really smooth. Or rock the boat at all, and have anything anything happen that we don't want to cover yet. But we have been doing a lot of great coverage that's, uh, that's on there, including not Michaela Schifrin, but the but Raisman is on there. Um, she's going to be in the uh, talking about her experience in the Olympics as well as the uh, the allegations that she that she has against the that's to an incredibly long time in prison. The an Olympic piece that we're going to be posting in the next few days. Questions for Olympic reading. That would be kind of... We did a, a review about uh, some Mardi not only the ones taking place in Orlando, but also some stuff. Uh, there's a Mardi Gras bar crawl taking place on Saturday, so be sure to check that out. There's some events taking place around Valentine's Day. That one you have to look for a little bit more, because we did recently removed that from the featured pages. But be sure to check it out. We also have a uh, event taking place in the next few weeks. 
to send out some reporters next weekend. It's the first time we've done that sort of thing. To keep following Palm Beach Happening, we really appreciate your support. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next week in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major major issues of modern auto racing. Thank you very much. We'll do the ARCA race. Uh, we're going to have Rowdy Maglite, who's one of the, the other hosts on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. He'll be on the program to talk a little bit more about ARCA and their future events, and we can ask him a little bit about what they think are hand because they definitely have big holes in their schedule. So we look forward to seeing you next week, and thanks for listening. Have a great night.